0: Growth Pod is brought to you by Genero, a leading growth agency in the Nordics. We interview marketing experts, business leaders, and entrepreneurs to uncover the stories and strategies behind profitable growth. Boxpolen is one of the most interesting D2C brands in the Nordics. In just 2 years, they grew revenue almost tenfold to $30 million last year. They work with some of the biggest celebrities in the world, including people like Tom Brady, Conor McGregor, and Chloe Kardashian. And they did all of this without raising any equity and with a team of just a handful of people. Please enjoy this conversation with Jakob and Viktor Eriksson, the founders of Boxball. This is the first in, in our podcast, this is the first time that we have two guests and uh, brother brothers nonetheless. That's, that's pretty special. Is this box bowling, is that your first venture that you guys have worked on together or have you had previous projects?
1: Yes, it's the first.
0: What's the benefit of, um, I, I have two brothers and I've, I've worked with both of them as well. So from your perspective, what are the benefits and are there potentially any kind of drawbacks from, from working with, uh, with family, working with, with brothers?
1: I think for me, at least, uh, it's the deep trust that you get. You know that you have someone, you know, taking your back. Uh, You can take, you know, if something bad happens, you are together. If something good happens, you celebrate together. So I think that you have someone that you can trust is is number one for me at least.
0: Yeah, I I think that's so key. And it's so hard to find, right? It's so hard to find someone who doesn't only have like complementary skill sets, but also where you have that trust because it takes so much time to build. Um, so it's a real, it's a huge competitive advantage if, if you have it and can sustain it and you, and you guys have had a lot to celebrate together, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so let's, let's get into that. But before we start with Boxball, then, I'd be interested just to learn about kind of some background before that, everything that led up to that, uh, for instance, you started your first business at, uh, 19, it was an ad agency, I believe. So
1: yeah. Wow, oh, you have uh, you have googled <laughs> around.
0: <laughs> got to do the research. So what yeah. led you, 19 is a very young age to start a business. Um what kind of made you want to choose the path of entrepreneurship?
1: I think I started very young doing projects online. Um you know, logos and websites and and, and I got used to I was thinking maybe I was like 14 15. Uh, and I got used to, you know, doing something, getting paid, doing something, getting paid and, and being more like, you know, task focused instead of getting a job. Uh, then went to the US uh, and while I was studying uh, in, uh, in college, I also did freelance stuff on the side all the time. Uh, and then a friend of mine wanted to try to start something together. Uh, so I came back to Sweden and we started. Uh, our little ad agency doing like video ads uh, we did like facebook pages it was a thing back then i think it was around 2010 maybe
0: Yeah, i guess all that learning because since that you've been working a lot with design and ux and ui and all those experiences have been really crucial in then making box bottom the success that it is so it kind of all builds on on top of each other
1: yeah i think you know you have uh, the branding aspect, you have the UX and product des- design aspect, you have the marketing aspect, and then you have also the video production aspect. And all these creative fields, if you know all of them, then you could be like a one-man band, which I was for a long time. Um, and when we started BoxBollen, you know, that meant that we already know how to do ads, how to do all our ad- like the videos and the, the paid ads and the website and the e com you know, so yeah, it gave a lot in the beginning.
0: Totally. Um, so Boxball and then how did that all come about? I think this is your fourth or fifth year? Fifth year. Yeah. How, how what was the kind of idea inspiration that led you to, to start this?
1: The question, right? We always get this, um, you can tell it <clears throat> how it started.
2: So, and and the question you asked before about like the background and for me, this entrepreneurship journey or what we're gonna call that we're doing. uh, So I was basically thrown into this uh, world uh, coming from a sport background, you know, playing soccer for 20 years, uh, had huge goals, huge dreams, uh, love to win. And then uh, at 26, 27 years old, I realized that, okay, I'm not going to make the money I want to make playing soccer. So I started working with sales for a few years. And three years in, I did good money, but I was so bored at the job. And I was, you know, in my head every day, like, what should I do with my life? What, where's my passion? Because I was comparing a lot of stuff, stuff to soccer. And then one day my brother comes to me and he says... I think I found the first thing we should do together because we have been talking, you know we should do something someday, something, you know. Uh, and it came to and he showed me this this thing punching on a ball. and I was like, maybe. But then we started you know, with prototyping with China, uh, with samples forth and back, and the first time I tried it, With my brother, we just saw the potential of it. And we were like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. So that is kind of how we fell in 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 box ball. But yeah, you can talk about how you come up with the idea.
1: Yeah, so my brother done football, right? Soccer. Uh, I did MMA in my youth. I think from like 16 to like 22. Uh, took a break, started training again at 27-ish. Uh, And then I saw this video of a guy who had like a tennis ball, shoestring, and a cap. And at first, I wanted it for myself, so I googled and realized, "Fuck, there's no product. No one has made this a product." And then I went to my brother. I was like, "I think let's make this. Like, you know, but a tennis ball is hard, and it's shoestring. You know, it, it wasn't really that commercial, so." We started exploring in China, you know, Alibaba, Aliexpress, starting contacting different, you know, factories. And can you make this sample? Uh, We want a softball, a string, and headband. This is the packaging. Uh, And then we finalized our first version of it uh, and launched in Sweden 2018 for Christmas. We produced 1,000 units and sold 3,000 units. I'm going to just show the dog quick. (laughs) Yeah, I've got to introduce the dog. This is This is Dumle. <laughs> there we go. He's our uh, little mascot in the company.
0: A big fan of box pollen probably as well.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. We're gonna lock you in now
1: for a bit so you can be
2: quiet. Yeah, if you leave a ball if you leave a ball in an area where he can reach it, you know, when you come back to the office or you're gonna for <laughs> sure see him with box pollen in his mouth, you know, playing.
0: Test user. I'm curious with the name. Because obviously BoxBolling is a Swedish name. So from the very beginning, did you have the aspiration of building this international or even global brand?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that was one of the first things that we said that this is something that we want to do global. We want everyone in the world to have a BoxBolling app at their household. So a global household item has been one of our, you know, goals
0: where did the kind of ambition, ambition come from? To to the, or the maybe the courage to dream so big uh, at this very early early stage of the, the business.
1: I think so. I think we both had it in a way with with Victor. You know, in football, wanted to go all the way. Right, you don't want to stay at a certain place. You want to maximize, and it's the same thing. I was always wanted. I've always dreamt, and I don't really know where it comes from. And we've talked about it, but I've always dreamt of doing something big. I mean, something big and global, and building a brand that's global. So I think you know, succeeding in the US, for example, is one of the biggest things you can do as a brand.
0: Yeah, it's that. It's like um, what do they say about it? if you can do it in New York, if you can succeed there, you can succeed anywhere. It's the most. It's the biggest, yeah. but also the most competitive market. And. That kind of belief in the brand, I saw in a, a pre, another interview. You said that's been really key in fueling um, not just your strategy, but also that kind of pers- persistence and perseverance facing all these no's that you've had to face, and and then just kind of keep pushing forward.
1: Yeah, for us, we've always said that you know we want to work with the biggest names, we want to influence people at scale, uh, we want to see people you know in Africa or in you know US or. In the Nordics, everyone can, you know, compete versus each other and play. So, yeah, big dreams, big goals and big bets. Big bets. Big bets. But
2: it's also like, for me at least, having this feeling that we got something so good and we just want to come out with it. We want everyone to see it, everyone to try it. And how do we do this? Like the fastest, the best way possible. And that is the big names. Uh, going out on TV doing the big bets because we i mean it is risks we're taking but we are willing to take that because if we succeed with it uh, and of course we believe that we will uh, then we know the response and the results going to be so good
0: exactly okay so i think we need to put some some numbers to to what we've been talking about here so um yeah first this is your fourth year uh, last year was a record fifth breaking, year. fifth year i apologize we're
1: entering the Yeah, this we're entering actually the sixth year. So we just finalized the fifth year.
0: Yeah, I finalized the fifth year. It was the biggest by far, 28 million US dollars in sales. No, no, more. More, okay. Yeah,
1: so, and it's new numbers. And it's, I mean, just being confirmed two days ago. So our revenue ended at 306 million Swedish, which is 30 million dollars.
0: There you go, breaking the 30 million mark. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, that was it's so important. I mean, it wasn't important until we made it. So, our goal was 25 million dollars this year or last year. Um, but then when we were at 280, like 28, we were like, "Fuck, maybe, you know." And then our CFO came back, you know, the books are almost done and the revenue is, you know, confirmed with the with the accountants and everything and it's ended at 306 million Swedish 30 million dollars. And we're like, "Yes."
0: That's incredible, and you st- and the year previously you were at uh, about one hundred twenty six I think Swedish so that's yeah. like two and a five two four point five x growth the year before yeah. that like thirty six so that's like almost that's like three and a half x um so just incredible incredible growth rate and we talked offline I think the ambition is to continue <laughs> continue this trend and today's yeah. Good. yeah
1: we're we're set to reach. 70 million dollars in sales in 2025 with our current uh with our current plan um although i must say that it was not our intention to stop at 30 million last year um we ran out of stock so we had a demand we had to pause our marketing end of you know middle of december which you know, it breaks your heart when you're building something and you're scaling, and you see that fuck, we can sell how much? We can end up fifty million this year, but we don't have stock. We can't do it. We have to pause. We have to lower the spend. You know?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I can I can totally understand that. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of talk a little bit about both the sides of like. First of all, how you, how have you been able to create such demand and such? such a lot of demand in a very short period of time. And then also, how have you been able to meet that? Um, not fully, like you said, you're going to run into some um, into some uh, blockers, but nevertheless, very rapid growth. So going back to kind of what has, I'm guessing has been kind of the key driver in your strategy, you mentioned the big names. I'll, yep. I'll list off a few here. So we got Ploy Cardassian, Conor McGregor, Tom Brady, Bill Gates, um, Dr. Phil, Wayne Rooney, Evelyn Goria, Tyson Fury, Hamsat, Snoop Dogg, a uh, bunch, bunch, bunch more. So these are
2: it sounds so good when yeah. you just rumble it <laughs> in. Yeah. Love
1: you, it. You get a big smile on your on your face because, you know, man, if you knew some of these people, how hard they were to close, I mean, it's it's amazing that we all that we did. Uh, I must say, you know, being on the being out there and hustling every day and trying to close these people and work with these people because they're so big and they get so many opportunities every day and everyone wants to work with them. And then you get them to work with your brand and not only work with us, but loving the story, loving the brand, loving the product. I think, you know, it, it can't be better. That aspect of the business is, I think, the best, I would say.
0: Yeah, I, I was trying to think if there's a, a similar you know, if there's any benchmarks, I mean, Nordic companies of similar size that have been able to do this and not even Nordic, like period companies around the world, DTC consumer goods brands that have been able to work with these kind of celebrities and also doing it without this mega budget. Like you guys are bootstrap, right? Yeah. I don't think there's anyone in the world who has done that. So let's try to break that apart. How, what was the first big celebrity that you signed? How did that come to be?
1: The first big one, it depends on at what scale. So I think, you know, we had big ones in Sweden and then we went to the UK and had big ones. And then we went to the US and had even bigger, bigger ones. So where do you want us to, like, what do you define as big? That's like
0: the ones where you just were like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we actually got, got that person to, you know, the where you realize for yourselves like oh this is
1: first time or because I think that feeling has been coming back so I would say the first time at least for us that was a big noticeable difference it was first year in the UK with John Terry and his wife
0: how did that deal come about did you pick him specifically before, before
1: we talk about it I just want my brother to tell you when did we sign the contract and when did we should like this the little you know story with uh... yeah, it was crazy
2: <clears throat> i mean yeah that that's for sure is the 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 name that was feeling like international big name that when you are in the country saying his name everyone is like oh what really true are you going there uh, but yeah i mean it, the story about him is similar to many other stories but that was the first time you know it, it was happening and we actually ended up signing the deal with him when we were at his, at his house and my brother was coaching him playing the ball <laughs> and I was sitting with his agent in the sofa going through the documents, <laughs> signing the deal you know completing everything and they were already ongoing my, I, I hear my brother in the background go slow in the beginning find the rhythm and I look up I see John Terry is playing and I'm like this, "This is this real is this for real Yeah. And it was crazy it was crazy
0: you guys have really been been kind of hustling going traveling about doing these deals right you've it's no no kind of like partners or um you've been negotiating this yourselves right
1: i would say we go all ways sometimes it's through an agent sometimes it's direct sometimes it's through someone that is opening the contact that's getting paid that then introduces someone else and then we you know it can it can be so many ways it can be you know that's why i'm I, I had an interview yesterday and i i told him it's it's all in always are open um so there is no one receipt like no one like step 1 do this step 2 it's more like you know you go here you go there you follow someone's uh, brother on instagram and trying to slide a dm you, you were you found someone through someone's you know caretaker you know some caretaker, oh yeah wife i mean uh, like
2: wherever your mind uh, sees that you might find a way yeah. through to the person or the agent go for it and I would say this uh, this uh, feeling of uh, working with big names it became pretty familiar actually from the start when we launched VoxBollen because that was the strategy from the beginning just shipping out products to influencers they were not the huge ones but they were in Sweden and they were famous here and we just shipped and we, we saw pretty early that it worked and so ramping it up uh, doing with bigger and bigger names and after doing it with John Terry and his wife in in our head or in my head at least it was like okay we can do big names it, 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 there's like just a matter of finding true and making them want to be a part of it
0: yeah it's so much about building momentum right it's like you get that one person that allows you to sign a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger and all of a sudden you got the biggest athletes in the world McGregor Brady using the product
1: yeah I mean, I, I still think when you level up, so I think from John Terry, that was big, right? But then when we did Khloe Kardashian, I, I would say I felt almost like, you know, John Terry was not big. So, I mean, you you raise the bar all the time and people always ask us now like, okay, but how are you going to raise the bar now when you already work with the biggest names? Uh, there's still a lot of big people that we want to work with, Um and there's some exciting things this year. I, I can't tell them right now, but it's going to happen. It's going to be it's cool. It's going
0: to be really interesting to follow because I, w- I was following you on, on LinkedIn. And then I just saw like these names come up. And I think the one that was like, for me, it was like, wow, how did they get him? I was McGregor. Yeah, I saw that. That was like um, November or something?
1: That was just before we went to the US. We went to Dubai first to shoot him. And I would say that could be one of the most fun shoots. I think Conor McGregor and John Jones are my, and Stephen work was fun, but I think those are my two favorite shoots because it was just so good energy. I mean, it's always good energy, but it was on another level. I think with Conor, we filmed him for like three and a half hours in the middle of the night in Dubai, so we were done at four in
0: the morning. I, I want to talk about you mentioned previously, like the big bets, right? These are these are not these people do don't you know they they don't work for free. <laughs> So you've uh, you had to negotiate, I guess some some pretty big deals, and yeah, because of the the nature of your product, the vast, vast, vast majority of revenue comes in Q4, uh, yeah. specifically around Christmas. So you're doing all these deals, investing in media um, throughout the year, buying up inventory, hoping or projecting that you're going to sell sell all of this stuff. yeah, so it's how, how are you making that balance? Is it just you know we've got this target we believe in the brand we're going to make all these investments or how are you balancing these the risk reward of these these big bets that you're placing?
1: It's a really good question. I'm going to start by saying that we spent over ten million dollars on marketing last year, uh, and it's a big sum, right? And I oh, that has always been a, like a mini goal in my back of my head. No, someday, someday I want to spend ten million dollars on marketing. I love marketing. I think it's. One of the most fun things to do. I see it as a game almost. Um, but sa- but okay. So every year we sit down, me and my brother, and I even we even have it on our whiteboard. Our goal for the year, and if you want, I can go there and show you. It's been there all year. Uh, we have it even. You know, we don't have this side out, so we we hide it, but we write it. So this was for last year. This was our goal. So you see, we exceeded the goal, right? Um, but it's our guiding stars that these numbers. Um, so it starts there. And then we go in like with our CFO how much can we spend on celebrities this year? How much does stock gonna cost? How much money do we, for example, need in credit to be able to do it? We have very good relationships with Meta and TikTok where we get good credit. So all our performance marketing is a cost that comes. You know, very at the end when we actually scale. Uh, but stock and celebrities usually upfront, uh, And that puts some stress on the bank account, right? So it's, it's a game of balance. And it's also a lot of... And I know data people will be all upset now. But it's a lot of gut feeling. It's a lot of me and my brother were talking... Um, and our CFO says, for example, okay, we were, or like this, We wanna, so last year we wanted to spend $3 million on celebrities. That was our goal. Uh, and we managed to get that budget. And unfortunately, we couldn't spend it all. So yeah, this year, I think we would like to have five, six million for celebs. I
0: think what's really incredible is that it sounds like you've had this very focused, very kind of simple, I mean, very difficult to execute at a high level, but the playbook is fairly simple. It's like top-tier celebrity partnerships, yeah. shooting the content yourself, and then using paid social, organic social as well, but paid social really to drive uh, and focusing really heavily, of course, on, on the holiday season. So is that kind of roughly? Yeah.
1: we're Yeah, that's a, that's a good analysis. Also, I would say... You know, we see Christmas or holidays as a drop. You know, there's a lot of drop-based businesses that only focus on short amount of time, high volume. Uh, so it's not really that controversial, I would say, even though everyone's like, oh, you, do you really want this seasonality? Oh, it's such a big risk and this and that. But I think we're seeing that now in society that it's a behavior how a lot of successful brands release stuff. Um, I, I like... I was so motivated about, you know, the the fight between uh, Dylan Danis and uh, Logan Paul, right? Um, Or was it Logan or Jake? Yeah, Logan. So what I wasn't, uh, it it was not the fight itself. It was that they claimed that they sold 1.3 million pay-per-views. And I remember we talked about it. I was like, oh it's just clicks if they can do it i know we can do 1.4 million balls in 30 days or 35 days so it was a it was kind of a a nice uh, data that they let out that we did 1.3 million pay per views in a in a short period of time like a drop around 20 bucks also so it was you know comfortable feeling like okay if they could do it they don't have that big celebrities they don't do that much marketing then we can do it. That makes so much sense.
0: And it's it's interesting because I've been thinking about specifically the way promotion works in the fighting industry. It's so different. And and I think that's the industry that, in my opinion, is the best in the world at capturing attention, getting people excited, building up hype, and then converting that on like this huge revenue basis on a very short period of time, which is... So it makes sense that you kind of like took that element and, and built your business model around that. Very cool. Okay. And so... A couple of more in- interesting things I think that you guys are doing differently, the whole top tier celebrities and, and like you said, the drop basis, that's that's pretty unique, uh, certainly for a brand of your scale. Another thing that I heard you say is that you want every order to be profitable, GM3 positive, or you don't want it. And
1: I, I, I must say, I love the detail of uh, like you nail it to the world. word. word. The, words, the words matter, especially when
0: you are talking about profitability. <laughs> But, you know, there's there's a lot of e-commerce and, and consumer brands that are profitable, yep. but very few of them are growing at the rate you guys are growing at. And I could imagine that a lot of people, if they were in your position, they'd say, hey, we're growing at this insane rate. Let's relax the profitability target. Let's raise some capital. You know, the investors are not going to care. They want to see top-line revenue growth. Let's just contain the losses, but but it's fine. So, you guys, where does this... this First of all, how are you able to maintain this level of profitability
1: at scale? Like you must run a very efficient operation. I would say that sometimes we feel a bit autistic when it comes to just that, you know, if it's not profitable, we don't want it. And I also, you know, I saw, we saw, yeah, a couple of years ago, a lot of companies growing at insane rates, uh, doing uh, big losses. You know, loss, and and I always wondered, and I always we talked about how can these companies be so high valued? How can they make so big losses? And when do you expect to return these losses? Because some, I I believe that you know, profit is one of the big pillars in business, right? How if you're only relying on 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 external money all the time, you're going to be hooked. You're going to need more, more, and more, and new round, and new round, and new round. And is the business really successful then? So I think having that as a big goal for us that we want to be able to grow profitable and then of course how much it is we can always be flexible depending on the situation. Maybe these years we want to invest a bit more in tech or you know Uh, but I think that is if it doesn't work at scale we don't want to do it. Because imagine you would go you know minus GM3. So you're negative GM3 right? Let's Let's say you do that for hundred orders, not big deal, right? But what happens if you do that for one point four million orders? That's what we we do. Like everything, we start small. If it's good, we scale it. If it's good, we scale it. So we don't want, and we get pitched so much. Please, we can do this and we can do that. And I want to do your paid search, and you can increase with two hundred percent. And and we do tests at small scale, and usually it doesn't work we just say okay we're not going to do it because if it doesn't work at small scale it's not going to work at big scale so yeah if it if it's not profitable we don't want it yeah I, I think that
0: that level of discipline also then gives you a lot of freedom because going back to what you mentioned about the budget you're going to spend on celebrities yeah. and our spending if you were at the mercy of your investors having to go to them and say hey look we we believe it's going to pay off like please give us a couple of million to spend They'd probably say, no, that's too big of a bet. Are you crazy? Um, yeah. But now you're in control of your own destiny as a company, essentially. Or at least much more in control. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, we are. We And and I think this is a question we ask ourselves sometimes. We say, when we think about uh, a big celebrity and it's a big cost or you know an investment into TV or whatever. And we say, okay, are we going to do this? If we believe, yes. And then we say... If we don't do it, mm. what's going to happen? Mm. That's a good question also. That's
2: a really good question.
1: And then the second question to that question is also, if we do this and it doesn't succeed, what are we? I mean, if we can't succeed with this person, then who are we going to succeed with? So a lot of times it comes down to, like, we are we going to do this or not? We ask, okay, what happens if we don't do it? We're not going to grow and if we do it and if we don't succeed, then we're not going to succeed with our business anyways, basically.
0: Totally. So kind of, you know, you focused on profitability. Another thing that relates to that is you're running, I think, a very, based on LinkedIn, it seems like you have a very small,
1: efficient team. Um, Yes, which is maybe even too small right now, I would say. I think we need like two or three more key hires that, you know because we're growing at this speed we're you know we're a bit you know me my brother and you know some of the 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 people are a bit overworked i would say uh but still you know i've been in organizations where we grow from like 20 people to 200 in one year and it's not a good thing usually so we want to keep lean tight you know we want to be so efficient we want everyone that's in our team to be a high performer. I also think that is a key, you know, that the people that we do find are high performers. Uh, our recent hire that we're super happy about is our CTO, Tone Sundstrom. Uh, he comes from Bambooser. He was a co founder there. Uh, and he's been with us for like eight months. And it took our whole tech and our app to next level. And we want to keep doing that type of hires where we find people that are the best at what they do. I think that's so interesting because it's like, if
0: you focus on the really high leverage things, you can do so much with so little and you know, the partnership model is an example. Like you can go and get Conor McGregor and that will replace having to do a thousand micro influencers because he has that global reach. True. And you guys I mean are you you're, you said you're shooting the content yourself right Yes That's pretty I think also very unique is like most people at that scale would be thinking okay we're let's hire that creative director let's build a team for to manage all these different things but you guys are hands on with yeah. the most critical thing uh
1: Yeah yeah we go in me and my brother we fly all over the world we so I would say you know uh, people like oh nice you're saving money on a production like you don't have to have an agency etc but okay then our traveling cost goes up instead so but so we we go in we fly in and and also we establish uh, an, a rela- a relationship with them you know they see that we 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 care about this it's not just selling a product we want we we want them to have a good experience while we're there we want them to jump and scream and laugh and,
2: and one thing <clears throat> That is not talked about that much. You know, we, we run the business, uh, we do all these things. But it started actually with me and my brother being obsessed with this thing. Playing against each other, competing. So we've done this, we played the box baller now for like, this is the sixth year. We know the product, we know all the tricks, we know all the tips. Uh, we know how to get good uh, fast. So when we come there, it's the first time for them. It is challenging, but you know, with some small coaching tips and how to get started we get them pretty good in in a fast uh, fast time so that is a part also why we want to be there we want to make sure that they know the product in a, in a short period of time
0: and, and there's no really substitute for that and i i don't think people appreciate the difference it makes when you have the founders who have skin in the game who love the product on an emotional level and love the brand show up and show that they believe in it like we're all humans and, and that resonates whoever, even if it's a big celebrity that they, they notice
1: that, um, yeah, and they're so, I think this is more, you, this is more usual, you know, maybe in Silicon Valley with tech startups where you usually have like the founders, uh, like at the, at the front and on LinkedIn and he's passionate and having talks and being out there meeting users. And I think it's not maybe that common for like products or brands, you know, I feel it's more like the the tech part of the world where the founders are more out there on the field right yeah I think
0: so too okay um another thing so so you've had this you know massive success and you've done it with one product uh, the same one that you've been been uh, running out for the going on the sixth year how, how are you dealing with because if you google I googled boxball and you're gonna get these copycats and and, and so on so how are you dealing? with that is it about building the brand this is the original this is the 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 best one or how are you able to how are you thinking about kind of dealing with the increased competition
1: it's a good question of course because you know copycats are out there but not only copycats there's a lot of scammers you know online scammers that are stealing our content and driving traffic to like a drop shipping site where they sell some shit from china and Customers, they get fooled and they get angry. They think they buy their real product. That is, I would say, the biggest problem. It's not actually the other brands that are doing this at small scale. It's when they actually come in and scam people. When it's fraud companies stealing our content, maybe with Conor McGregor or Tom Brady or Chloe, and they're pushing their product. And it's hard. I mean, I would say, you know, even though we have contact persons at both TikTok and Meta, sometimes it takes too long for them to remove it. You know, we have all the brand registrations or you know, it's the copyright content, but still it takes maybe, you know, five days or two weeks to get it down. And in those two weeks, they are allowed to spend a lot of marketing money on that, which is not good. Um, But okay, so back to the question, I would say, you know, the community that we're building of over 700,000 people in our app, the fact that we are the only ones right now caring about this sport, and if you are, you know, if you want to show your skills, there's really only one place to show your skills in Box Boland, and it's the official Box Boland. Even though people sometimes buy like a fake one or like a copycat one from Amazon, they still tag Box Boland on Instagram, for example. Um, so I, I think that is one of our strongest uh, anti competitor, you know, the community, the celebrities. The app that were all you know the official thing the 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 official sport the official place where you come with your box ball and the hang.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess there are so many people out there who you know they want to get something for the kids or for the dad, as it was. I think in the case yeah. of Bill Gates, um, you want to get that, and of course you want to get the original. Like it's not that much more expensive. Get the real yeah. one. You know that it works. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. And. You know, I think another thing that's been kind of unique here is that you've done this enormous scale with one product. Like I said, uh, are you, do you see that kind of continuing? What's the what's the big big vision? Is there like a five year plan of like we want to build, you know, Boxball and to be to be this huge huge global one one product brand, or are you thinking about expanding? Or is it too too early to say?
1: Um, I I would say the big vision. Is to inspire people to move and have fun. It doesn't matter how, really. Um, most of our product development is in our app. Uh, we're doing some really exciting things with AI and computer vision, where you know you could play games that you don't even need a physical product to. It's uh, going into the the sphere of VR, AR. Um, but then, of course, we're looking to. Expand the product line. We're looking at, you know, bigger versions, maybe something you put on the wall or, you know, maybe something you stand in your office or, you know, maybe, you know, we're looking to do like a mobile stand. That is, you know, because when you play with the app, you put the phone up. Uh, We're looking to maybe do some gloves. That's cool with sensors. I mean, there's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, potential, but we still want to scale our original box ball and product.
0: And I'm guessing because of the the ambition with the brand is that you're very careful about whatever you expand into, it has to be high quality. It has to serve that mission that you yep. you outlined. Yep. Okay. Now as you're looking ahead in 2024, is it kind of uh, just more of the same? I mean, following the same playbook that you've developed, or are you looking to shake things up? Is there anything on the horizon that's like coming that you see coming that will maybe have a big impact on how you're how you're going about your business?
1: Uh, It will definitely be more of the same. So we're gonna double the revenue. Uh, It looks like we're gonna launch. We have said that every year we want to launch at least one new market. Uh, Last year it was Canada and Ireland, Uh, very successful. We sold out, so that was good. Uh, We this year we might look into Asia, one of a like an Asian country, Um, or. We might launch Australia, so or both. We're still so the numbers are not hundred percent in, and we haven't done the budget for the year. So we're in a bit of a waiting. You know, we're in a bit on a what they call. We don't know exactly what we're gonna do this year yet. Um, So it almost feels like we're still
2: in twenty twenty three. Yeah, you know, wrapping it up. Uh, But we talked, you know, just a couple of days ago that as soon the number is done, we need. Maybe one week in the sun yep. go through all the ideas that that we have, all the new markets we want to launch and see, okay, what is the actual market we want to open up next? What is the actual product that we have time and should put effort yeah. in to release maybe this year uh, on the market? So we, it's, there's so much ideas and thoughts right now that we just want to finalize and then let, let's go, like, yeah. let's
0: do it. I, it's going to be really interesting to follow from the side uh, where you guys are going to be getting up to. And also then hopefully we can check back in about a year's time and then we can talk, look at the the results and um, hopefully it will be more than, you know, reaching your target uh, or exceeding your target, which would be pretty, pretty wild. Um, it, yeah. just, just a final question because I know it's, you know, you probably have a lot of investors knocking at your door wanting to buy all or part of the company and you've turned them all down. Is it, you know, is is a plan to stay bootstrapped, keep staying control of the company and the vision?
1: The plan is actually the opposite. So um, we are looking to sell uh, half the company, at least. Um we want to find, I think, preferably a strategic partner that buys uh, the majority stake in the company and that we can take it to the next level because, you know, we want to scale, uh, but we don't want to build an organization. We don't want to do supply and logistics and distribution and legal and this and that. We want to focus on, you know, the experience, the brand and the marketing. Um, I think the right buyer and we, to be completely honest, we are in a process already. Um, so, yeah, it's all about finding the right right partner who believes in this and can take it to the next level that we couldn't do ourselves or it would take us maybe five years what they could do in one or two years. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, given what you've been able to achieve on your own, if you
0: have yeah. have, have the right partner with the, whether it's distribution or some other resources, um, you know, sky's, sky's, the limit. or as, as was a bottleneck last year, uh, just manufacturing supply. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. It's um, I had a very exciting call with the guy that, uh, he was part of the team who acquired Guitar Hero and he said there's a lot of similarities. Uh, I think they also, they were like maybe at $20 million or something and they just scaled. And I've seen also other companies, Swedish companies, like there's a game studio uh, which was sold to a very interesting toy manufacturer slash digital gaming entertainment company um, and they just went from like 10 million dollars to poof a billion you know it's yeah
0: i mean the space you're operating in is one that's experiencing so much change and there's obviously global huge yeah. if you get something that that's i think is really cool is the fact that this breaks geographical boundaries but also demographic you know you see yeah bill gates and like um yeah. Connor mcgregor that's pretty that covers almost pretty much all of like
1: uh, and even if you go further down you go down to the six-year-olds in the app who are looking at the top leaderboards and you know they will be in two or three years when they're like nine they will be one of the best in the app we've seen that so many times that people coming in at nine ten and then be going for one two three years and now they're like 13 and they're winning
2: And they're building muscles during the process. You know, they get this, the the wings, the legs start to pop out, the shoulders growing. Yeah. And uh, before we talked about, you know, uh, big bets, taking risk, uh, gut feeling. Yeah. And we've done this now over and over, year after year. So a lot of the big bets and the gut feelings comes from knowing the process. Like we know the concept now. We know... What process? We know what we need to do to get the results. Now it's a matter of how fast and how big can we scale? And I think that's also the, like the biggest reason why we want to have muscles in the company. Like we know the concept now. Now we just want to go open new markets, do it faster, do it bigger. So it, yeah, it will be exciting year this year. And that's
0: so attractive to an investor who can just kind of plug in their resources or capital, whatever it is. Like you said, you know the concept, you know what you can do with the right help safe to say you guys are very excited about this year. Um, best of luck to you both. It's going to be really excited to follow you. I, I think it's so interesting the way you're going about this. It's so unique and I think, I hope that Swedish Finnish brands are going to be watching and, and try to copy, copy this. I think it will be very difficult, but hopefully it'll inspire people to rethink some of the ways that these brands have been built yeah. in the
1: past. I think, you know, it already does because we are helping a few companies, Scandinavian brands, you know, working with celebrities in the US and I, you know, we are open to doing that and we think it's fun and we have a good network now. So, um, yeah, it's actually part of what we're doing now. So we're helping a few Scandinavian brands that they want to work with the A-list celebrities in the US and they want to go big. And I think there's a lot of learnings that they can learn from us quite easy.
0: Absolutely. Jakob and Viktor, thank you so much for joining me. It was a true pleasure. Uh, Good luck with everything.
1: Thank you. you Okay, have a good day. You too. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening. You can find all episodes of The Growth Pod on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts.